0: DVD Netflix is a must for physical media lovers, featuring a variety of different plans, starting at as little as $8.99 per month It's a great way to experience DVDs and Blu-rays with special features and commentary tracks you won't find anywhere else. A member for over 20 years, so well before I ever began working with the service as an official blogger on acting or as a DVD, Netflix, Twitter film discussion host, I think it's a terrific way to keep our vintage video store memories alive and support the physical media that we love so much. So be sure to check out DVD Netflix for yourself at DVD.com. Now, on with the show. Hey, this is Jen Johans at FilmIntuition.com and Film Intuition on social media and Letterboxd. And this is Watch With Jen. This week, I am so pleased to welcome back to the podcast a very talented, supportive, and funny friend. Currently based in Newark, Delaware, Mitchell Beaupre is not only the senior editor at one of my favorite services via Letterboxd, but they're also the co-host of the Weekend Watch List and co-host of Four Favorites Podcasts, which you can find in the stream for the Letterboxd show. Additionally, a prolific freelance film journalist and stellar interviewer for prestigious outlets such as The Film Stage, Paste Magazine, The Playlist, and Little White Lies. You can keep up with all of their impressive work on Twitter at Mitchell. So Mitchell, I want to thank you so much for being here. How are you doing and how some are treating you?
1: Yeah, good. Definitely been uh, very busy. Um, still just like steady working. Um, it's very, it's very like rain. It's been very rainy here today, which is nice. Like it's, it feels very appropriate since I like two of the movies we're talking about have very emotional, rainy climaxes. So I feel yes. like it's it's the correct vibes for the episode.
0: It is very much the correct vibes for the episode. And I should say one of the things I love about following you on social media, which is where I first found you is, you always list the movies you're watching and yeah. I don't know, you sometimes will like wallpaper them in the background while you're doing other stuff or you just you work from home and you're just an avid film lover. So it's always really cool to see what you're watching. And I know that a couple of these were newer to you. I think Falling in Love was maybe a discovery. Was it last year?
1: Mm hmm. Yes. Yeah, these these are all fairly new for me falling in love oh, I saw for the first time last year, Bridges of Madison County, as you saw, I saw for the first time like two months ago, I know. and then defending your life I saw for the first time kind of like towards the beginning of the pandemic. So all within the last like, three or four years were my first time seeing these movies.
0: That's perfect. Yeah. What do you think it is about Meryl Streep and Meryl Streep in Love and this side of her as an actress that we maybe don't see in some of her other roles like Kramer versus Kramer or Sophie's Mm. Choice? Or what do you think she brings to these?
1: I think there's it's an interesting thing with me with Streep, because when I was kind of like growing up. Um, like getting into movies as like a teenager and everything. Like she is on such a huge pedestal. Yes. And so as I was kind of going through and like watching for the first time, like the like Oscary movies and stuff like Sophie's Choice and Out of Africa and like mm-hmm. French with Woman and stuff like that. Like I had this perception of like who Meryl Streep was. And it was very, like, very capital A actor, like the accents, like a lot of like technical work, like through the craft, which is all really impressive. But like isn't usually the stuff that I especially like gravitate towards in performances. Like I can, I can admire it, but don't really like connect super strong. So for for a long time, I thought Meryl Streep was like a really great actor, obviously, but maybe not Mm -hmm. like one of my favorites or somebody who I had like a really strong personal connection to. And then seeing these movies, there is like a lightness to her and like a real like heart in there. And I think you get to have a better sense of, like who she is and like what that core is kind of stripped away of all of that the the technical stuff and it feels like getting her essence in a way like i know defending your life especially i think albert brooks talked about like meeting her um at like a dinner with carrie fisher and like he was so like terrified of her and then met her and she was like like i think he described her as like depressingly average, <laughs> like yes. the most like average person he's ever met in his life. And so he wanted to capture that side of her in that movie. And I think that he does that extremely well. And I think that, you know, these movies get a sense of who she is as like a person. And I just love it. I mean, I love her. I fall in love with her in all three of these movies.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I know when I was researching her and just from years of being interested in her performances, that Taxi Driver was a film where when she saw it, she said, you know, that's the type of actor that I want to be when I grow up. And I've said for years, like, oh, I don't want to ever interview or meet De Niro. And people are like, you love De Niro. Wouldn't he be your dream interview? And it's no. I want to separate the magician from the magic, because when you meet these people and then you learn about their lives and they're, you know, they go to the store and they buy groceries and, (laughs) you know, they have bills to pay and they have, you know, dogs and cats and ex-wives and all the stuff that we have. And so it kind of takes away something of the mystique. And so I love that this sort of brings Streep down from that pedestal of exactly what you were saying, sort of like. Last year, when I got into the kitchen sink dramas, I Mm -hmm. was um, for the first time, I mean, I always enjoyed Albert Finney and Laurence Olivier and stuff. But, you know, Olivier, I thought was definitely a capital actor, you know, capital A um, from that old school. And then you see him in something like The Entertainer. And he's Mm -hmm. raw and fresh and same with Burton and look back in anger. Yeah. So I like when you can kind of see these other sides of actors. So I was really excited. I think for me, uh, my mom loved Meryl Streep getting into movies as a kid she wanted to get me into the ones exactly the same ones that you probably saw first too like sophie's choice all yeah. of those uh, silkwood you know silkwood like, yeah 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 these are the you know out of africa the films <laughs> that you need to see if you're really going to be a cinephile yeah and uh so it was a lot of fun when i finally saw her and stuff like you know uh manhattan and uh defending your life and all of these other uh sides of her so absolutely do you have a favorite dramatic performance of Meryl Streep? should we go there first before we segue yeah
1: yeah I mean I think honestly Bridget like I you know I've I only saw as we said like Bridges like two months ago but that's probably my favorite Meryl Streep performance like it completely knocked my socks off when I saw it and yeah I just watched it again um you know a couple days ago getting ready for this and once again it like it's one of those movies that the first time that I saw it like absolutely wrecked me like I was in a puddle of tears when it was over and something like affecting you like hitting you so hard emotionally that first time you watch it like the first time you see something is such like a a specific thing and Mm -hmm. so there are some movies where like can devastate me like that like make me cry you know torrentially the first time that i watch it and then never again like i rewatch it over and over again but i'm kind of prepared for it and then there are the ones that every single time i watch it it hits me like that and bridges within the first like five minutes i was crying again just remembering like (laughs) where things are gonna go from here yeah so yeah i think i mean it it blows me away what about you though is there like a top a top tier number one street performance for you
0: you know that's really hard. When I was watching Bridges this time, I I was like, boy, this actually might be her best one. It, it's mm-hmm. definitely top 3, top 5 for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think Sophie's choice is probably one of the best performances ever, but I also loved Out of Africa a lot. You know, an interesting one, a performance that I really respected more the more I've seen the film. I think the first time I was just like, oh, it's Meryl Streep. And I didn't really mm-hmm. get what she was doing is the deer hunter, which is a mm. film I love a lot. And she is just playing a, a woman who is from this town and she falls in love with one man. And then, you know, it's what you do. You stayed behind and you waited for your man or for your life to begin. And then mm. when this plan that she had changes because of events that happen, she has to actually, you know, exert um, her own ideas about the future that she wants and a little bit of independence. I don't think I really appreciated what she was bringing to the movie because it's so overwhelmingly dominated by the male actors Yeah. Um, until you know, I got a little older and started to realize what she was doing. I remember an interview she gave, she and Robert De Niro went on Oprah uh, together in the 90s. I think it was for Marvin's Room. I can't remember Mm -hmm. what it was Mm -hmm. for. But they went on and they were like talking about their friendship and their greatest hits together. And she said that that scene when he first comes back and he waits for everyone to leave the party and then goes there and they're alone um, and how they go for a walk. And Meryl said, I think that's one of the best scenes I've ever done. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this is the woman who's done a million accents. And, you know, Mm -hmm. by that point, like, I don't know, seven, eight Oscar nominations, (laughs) a few wins at that point. And she, she pointed to this one thing as being a simple... This is a woman who is deciding something and on her own and being something she was really proud of. And I, I kind of agree. I love her in that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think that's, that's what I love too about like the ones that we're going to be talking about where it is like these specific moments where you Mm -hmm. can feel what she's doing and you can like hone in. And I think that's the kind of stuff that like I didn't appreciate when I was younger because you know, you're kind of getting into this stuff and you're really like blown away by seeing something, I mean, like Taxi Driver and like the Deer Hunter, like you said, like you're so focused on all of the macro stuff that's going on with such an overwhelming movie and like all of the the examinations of the male friendships and like the bonds and the breakings of bonds and how Mm -hmm. the war can really just dismantle who these people are like at their very core. But you don't, I mean, at least, yeah, for me as well, I definitely didn't have enough appreciation for like what the war can do to the person that's staying behind and what the person who is staying behind who then has to deal with the wreckage of the guys yes. that are coming back has to do. And that's the deer hunter. I saw heaven's gate for the first time, like a couple months ago. And it made me really want to revisit the deer hunter as well. Cause I mean, heaven's gate. I was, yeah, I absolutely loved that movie. Um, and so it made me want to revisit the deer hunter. Cause I haven't seen it since I was like early twenties probably. Okay. So I'm definitely really excited to watch it. With what you just said in mind too and with like paying more attention to what streep is doing beyond like everything else too
0: yeah and you know this is probably a good segue their first movie has Mm -hmm. meryl streep and robert de niro chronologically we're talking about falling in love which i mean two actors who are like two of our best actors ever and at maybe their most photogenic ever, it's a gorgeous mm-hmm. looking film. It's uh, 1984, directed by Ulu, is it Grossbard?
1: Yeah, that's how I pronounce it, at least. Ulu
0: is. Grossbard, who was a theater director and also uh, a filmmaker that both worked with. Again, he made that great movie, Straight Time, mm-hmm. with uh, Dustin Hoffman, which I love so much. It was written by a playwright, a former actor, Michael Christopher. You have De Niro, you have Meryl Streep, you have Harvey Keitel playing De Niro's brother. (laughs) So talk to me about uh, falling in love.
1: Yeah, God, I it's like a movie that I get emotional, like thinking about because like I it really just threw me for a loop when I saw it. I genuinely hadn't even heard of this movie, which is crazy considering the pedigree that's in it. I mean, De Niro and Streep alone. But yeah uh Kaitel diane weiss is playing oh, meryl streep's yes. best friend and like i i hadn't even heard of it until our friends uh dan dan mecca and connor o'donnell of the b-side oh, podcast yeah they did an episode with uh murtada Fadel on meryl streep and this was one of the ones that they talked about and it like it sounded super interesting to me i put it like on my letterbox watch list but hadn't gotten around to it until i think you tweeted about it last year when it like got added to the criterion channel Mm. for some collection that it was in and so my partner sam and i watched it and like both were it's it really takes you through like such a spectrum of emotion where i think you're feeling like everything that the characters are feeling like, the, the highs and the lows, like, seeing the two of them, they're both happily married, like, in completely stable, yes. solid marriages, which I think is one of the genius moves of the movie is that, like, neither of them have a spouse who's, like, abusive. Or, or, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. But they just, they meet each other. They have, like, a little meet-cute, and they just can't, like, shake this feeling that they have for each other and it doesn't even necessarily start off as like obviously romantic it's just Mm -hmm. like they want to get to know each other better and slowly you really like feel this same push and pull that they have of like wanting to be moral and be ethical and not like betray the trust of Mm -hmm. their marriage and their lives together De Niro's character has kids who he like adores very Mm -hmm. clearly but they can't shake this like developing feeling for each other and yeah the further it goes along i just was really caught off guard by how invested i found myself in the emotions of both of them like what they're going through not even necessarily like like part of me was definitely rooting for them to get together because their chemistry is off the charts in this yeah um but But at the same
0: time you're like what are you doing yeah yeah exactly
1: you're like you're you're rooting for them to get together but then you feel guilty for rooting for them to get together which is like the exact same thing that they're going through there's so many scenes in this where they're like they're trying to call it off and they like sometimes they do call it off and then they get right back together because they just can't like resist (laughs) each other it's it's really infectious but what i mean how for you like when was the first time that you saw it like what is your history like for falling in love
0: You know, I saw it years ago. I want to say this is one that I came to in the last 10, 15 years, probably. And yeah, it was the same thing. And I remember what was interesting about this for me is thinking about it being 1984, it would have probably been around this time. I have these memories of uh, being a little kid and my best friend, Brett, who lived next door in Naperville, Illinois. His mom would take us on these drives. And I distinctly remember this because I didn't really put it together until like my mom later of while well, she was having an affair was mm-hmm. uh, the mom's favorite song because she would get excited whenever we would hear it on the radio was your kiss is on my list. Mm-hmm. And we would go over we would go shopping and do other things, but then we would go over to somebody's house and have to stay in this one area. And it was obviously this man's house. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like I didn't put it I'm just a toddler, like hanging out with my friend. And I think I remember telling my mom something like, oh, yeah, we saw, you know, his mom's friend or something. And then (laughs) years later, you're like, Oh, that was the man that she was having the affair with. And so when I first saw this, that was in the back of my mind a little bit like, oh, this was around that time. Because I saw an interview, might have been the Oprah Winfrey one, where Mm. Meryl was talking about this era being a very, she called it anti-romantic or an Mm. unromantic time of people just hooking up for the sake of hooking up or maybe they got married too young or the boomers or whatever but actually falling in love is a different story and she said Mm. that's what these people are doing like in spite of themselves they're they're not maybe setting out to do that um you know there is like a little attraction i think all of us when you first meet someone it's the you that's being reflected back to you that you also fall for like suddenly Mm. you care more about your appearance because it's ooh i'm of worth or whatever and so you see de niro's character like get a little straighter posture or a little, um, you know, the way he's carrying himself, but he doesn't want to become his brother who is kind of this lech, you know? Yeah. And, uh, he, he like sees that. And I love how exactly what you're saying, they keep calling it off and, yeah. um, they, they just can't help it. And I think what's really important is that scene where they're going to go back to the apartment. Mm-hmm. Um, You hear like baby crying, you hear like, you know, all this stuff of and it's broad daylight and it feels Mm -hmm. both exciting and seedy and like, do we really want to do this? And I think that's really like it's an intelligent look at what this would be like. I've never cheated on anyone. I, you know, I wouldn't, but I can't imagine um, what this would be like. And I think they capture that well. It's sophisticated and it's also emotional because there's nothing wrong with their spouses um, except maybe they've just become different people or um, are seeing something in these other people that is a different spark. Yeah.
1: yeah. Sophisticated is such a great word for it. I think that that's, that's exactly why, like, like this, this plot has been done, you know, plenty of times, obviously, like just cheating with another person. And it like, it could go in a way of like, a rom-com like just sort of like a silly thing or it could be the other like it could be the fatal attraction or like whatever like it could be like a very like erotic thriller kind of thing or or any number of ways like it could be really salacious but the the sort of like everydayness of falling in love i think is why it's so effective it's treated with sincerity it's treated with like the exact same level like when thinking about it and thinking about the performances too like neither of them are playing it like a light fluffy kind of thing which i know like reviews at the time going back and reading them were not super kind to this movie i was reading um i was reading roger ebert's review the other day who was like absolutely vicious towards it like he called it trite he called it sudsy (laughs) like he absolutely hated it but he's i mean he still praised the performances which is great but i think i think people are missing the mark and maybe it's because like this kind of movie was not not as uncommon, like at that time period. Like just a, like an adult romance about like two, you know, real people and mm-hmm. having like a relationship wasn't as uncommon then as it is now. Like this is not a movie yeah. that like exists anymore. And so, like going yeah. back and watching it for the first time, I was really. Just caught off guard by like what it is and just how it's played completely straight there's no like winking there's no like cheekiness to it at all there's not even like there's the comedy that's in it is like everyday real comedy like i liked what you were saying about um how you've kind of fall in love with the version of yourself that's like mm-hmm. reflected back at you and i think that in those like early scenes of them developing this bond they are kind of like, even in their behavior, they're sort of like mirroring each other as well in a yes, way, like the awkwardness, are. the shyness, the like, they can't like cont- like um maintain eye contact like super well. They just, they keep like chuckling a little bit as like kids kind of like falling in love with each other. Yeah. And I just, it's so sweet watching them have that kind of those like first few dates where you're like figuring out the rhythms of this other person. It's, it's really charming
0: yeah and i also like their first interaction you think they're gonna meet and they don't Mm -hmm. there's they're on phone calls but like the conversations they're having they could be talking to each other it's so good which is really brilliant because you would most writers would write it like he says how are you i'm good or whatever it is uh it's like a call and answer thing that's happening Mm. there but they don't actually interact there and it's perfect. And so I like that there is sort of this flicker of recognition. Maybe on a subconscious level, they didn't really clock each other, but then mm-hmm. later there is something. I also think um what you were saying about the comedy, and also how sometimes you're unable, you're it's easier to talk to a stranger about mm-hmm. things sometimes than it is, like in her case, she suffered a tragedy involving um. A child uh earlier and you can tell because her husband is a doctor and uh you can tell that you know he had a certain way of looking at this um, situation that she didn't have so there's like a little bit of resentment there but but not enough to make it like well that's why she is doing this but also he's giving her a voice that Mm is different than the one even Diane Least offers her. And Mm. I think that's important. And also maybe he might not have that either. He has a brother who is kind of like a walking, um, you know, soap opera essentially (laughs) like it's me and the dog and the kids and we're in the street, you know, and he doesn't want to end up like him. So he starts telling him stuff, but then I think he, he feels like cheesy about it. And so I think it's, it's what, they're able to bring to each other as a genuine friendship but then also um an attraction for sure
1: yeah i think that's that's yeah that's perfectly said like the the idea of it starting as just like a genuine friendship and like building that bond like it's not a thing where Mm -hmm. like like straight up physical attraction where they just want to have sex and like that's it and like that's all that it is like a physical thing like it really is they just like connect something within each other, and I I love uh De Niro's character in this is so different than like most I mean men in movies, but especially like De Niro at this time he's coming off of like like Taxi Driver, Deer Hunter, Raging yeah. Bull, like even King of Comedy, like these characters who are these, like, pinnacles of, like, what, like, men are. And then he, like, uses them to, like, examine, like, the toxicity of men and, like, all of yeah. that. But this this guy is such, like, an an everyday normal guy, but he could be a very, like, burly kind of guy. Like, he works construction. Like, he has a very stereotypical, yeah. like, man job. But he is – he's so soft. He's so tender. He's so, like, caring. He's really attentive to her. And mm-hmm. I think that that definitely gravitates her towards him. Like, when he first is – like, when they first, like, actually interact, they're on the train, like, going into the city, and they, like, recognize each other, and he's, like, he asks her if he can, if they can, like, ride the train into the city together again sometime, and he immediately is, like, I'm not, like, my, I'm, like, oh, that's not me coming on to you, that's not me trying yeah, to, yeah. Like, do anything, like, he's, he's always trying to, like, be protective of wanting to, like, like you said with the Kaitel character, like, he wants to, like, make sure that he's not coming off like that kind of a guy, Um, I love their first like quote unquote date where they're just like having, I don't I can't remember if it's like coffee or like lunch together or whatever, and like he's talking a lot and he stops himself and he's like, I've been talking, like I've been talking so much, like I'm sorry, like tell me about yourself or whatever. And I just think having that little moment, that little like pause of recognizing like, oh, maybe I've been talking a lot, maybe I've been like, you know, taking up all this space and not letting you have the space. Like that's really uncommon, I think, in general, but especially seeing that in a movie, right?
0: To this day. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I can't tell you how many times I've gone out and been monologued at like all Mm -hmm. night or something (laughs) like that. And they don't even realize it. And so I I did love that. I think he says, like, I've been talking a lot. And she she even acknowledges like, yes, you have. But I like it or something like that. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah. Which
0: which is very nice. Yeah. And it is uncommon. And I think, um, you know, that's it also that's a different um, thing that she's getting at home. There's also the question of she's a commercial artist. Mm -hmm. And um, so she has like, some work interest, but also her life is kind of on pause right now, because she's looking after her dad or getting, Mm -hmm. you know, um, going into the city because he's in the hospital. So there's all this stuff going on at the same time, but they never use that as like convenient beats to drive them to each other's arms or something like that which i like yeah
1: yeah 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 exactly the the stuff with her dad like it could play so cheesy right yeah. and but it it doesn't it plays exactly like like we experience that stuff in life and it just feels like she's it makes sense that she would be like With that going on too, she would be analyzing all of everything in her life in a different Mm -hmm. way. Like, do I want to pursue this thing with this new guy? Because I'm thinking about like the futility of life, like the fragility of life. And like, if Mm -hmm. I regret not, you know, making a move like this or my dad kind of getting towards the end, does that make me want to stay solid with the person that I've been with all these years and that I have like this history with and I think that stuff could like be really hammered in in a really unsubtle way, but the movie plays it really beautifully and I think Streep plays it really beautifully too. Like you can feel in a lot of scenes that she kind of has like the weight of the world on her shoulders. But then one of the beautiful things about it and about that relationship between the two of them is that in all these scenes where so she'll like go see her dad, kind of see that he's really not feeling great, like come up with this decision in her mind that She needs to call it off with De Niro. Like, this just isn't Mm -hmm. appropriate. This isn't even the right time for it. She's dealing with too much stuff. And then she goes to meet De Niro with full, like, full intention to call it off. And then within, like, a minute, like, she tells him, you know, we can't do this anymore, blah, blah, blah. And then within, like, a minute, like, he's talking to her and he's just so caring and so kind. Mm -hmm. And maybe there's, like, a little, like, light joke that, like, alleviates some tension or whatever. And she's just so comfortable with him that Mm -hmm. she falls right back in with him. And, like, it, it just can't break because every single time they're around each other again, it is that feeling of, like, coming home in a way and feeling that safety. And you could see that as, like, a distraction from the real stuff that you're dealing with or whatever. And like that, that feels safe. But I think the movie really makes you feel like it is, it is like a genuine bond that they're developing with each other. And that makes it even harder when they are like trying to call it off or when it doesn't seem like it's going to happen. And there are so many scenes that like the, the scene where, so I think she, she tries to call it off with him and then he, he, tells her to just, like, just wait for him at the train, like, at the end of the day. And, oh, like, they'll, yeah. they'll meet there, and they'll talk. Yeah. yeah, and then so, like, he he's, then we see him, he's running late for work. She's waiting for him at the train station, but he's running late at work, so then, like, we're watching him trying to get there, and the tension is, like, if he's gonna get there in time, and he arrives and can't find her, and, I mean, De Niro's performance is so good in this, because you see, like, the desperate sort of panic on his yeah. face, and, like, feeling like, like he just lost everything, and then We, the audience, see her behind him, like before he sees her, sort of like blurred, but we can make out that it's Meryl Streep. And there's like such a rush that you feel as a viewer knowing that she's right there. And then he, he, she says his name, and Mm -hmm. you see like his whole body shift when she says his name. And the second that like they see each other, they immediately come together, they embrace. That's the scene where they first kiss for the first time. And it's like, it, That they have this like energy of like the biggest thing in the world to them was about to slip away and they just got it again and they can't ever let it go again. Mm -hmm. And like that, that scene like wrecks me completely every time I see it.
0: Yeah. It feels completely natural. Like he Mm -hmm. isn't planning to kiss her essentially. Mm -hmm. He's just so relieved that she's there and like, Oh my God, I thought I lost her. And uh, I like what you were saying too. And what we've been pointing out about, that there is this life and death stuff going on in their lives. But that is sometimes what happens. You meet people at the wrong times, or when you have the weight of the world on you, Mm -hmm. you maybe meet somebody, um, yeah and i think that that does happen it happened um with the most recent person uh for me (laughs) like so much stuff has happened in this person's life and it's kind of like you know oh my god and um but at the same time you can't help when you meet people and i think um this movie uh captures that beautifully and doesn't cheapen it essentially which which yeah it doesn't make these like oh because her dad then then she's gonna you know sleep with him and then regret it because she was so upset about her dad or something like that and you know it doesn't go there which i like yeah
1: yeah and god that scene you were you were talking about it earlier where they do go to Mm, Kaitel's apartment like he gave them the key and like they go with the full intention to like consummate their relationship and then they're sort of going through the steps of that and then Streep like stops it and says like she she can't do it. And she like it's oh, it's such like a great moment because the they're on the bed. Mm-hmm. She's like facing away from him and he's just like holding her from like kind of like her her stomach like he it's a really vulnerable position for both of them to be in. yeah it- He's like up against her back
0: yeah it's like he's cradling her like um just wanting to be there for her um, yeah in any way even though it's it's not going to be like you know and it's also like we've been pointing out this movie doesn't cheapen it um mm-hmm. you know a lot of times like oh no we can't and then they wind up sleeping together like, mm-hmm, in a lot mm-hmm. of movies no it is uh she can't do this she doesn't want to be that kind of thing and and i think also that sort of thing like the walk in and broad daylight with the mm-hmm. you know the kids crying and the it just it's not their apartment and it, yeah. it, it feels very kind of like sleazy and she, she can't do that and um yeah. no but at the same time this is someone she has a connection to and cares about and i think uh yeah and then i also like that they are adults about what that means on the the train home, like, are we delaying the inevitable? Of, yeah. would this be two week times a week, three week times a week, or do you know, are we just gonna keep uh building ourselves up and not anything ever happening? And so, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. And then he he gets off the train and she sees him get off the train oh, yes. and is embraced by his wife and his kids. Mm-hmm. And like she, I mean, it's a credit to how good Streep is that, you know, just in her face like you see just kind of like it's not even like devastation it's not like the biggest heartbreak in the world it's just this recognition of like this is like this guy has it's her first time really having to like reckon with like he has a whole family Mm -hmm. this is a person with a whole life going on so am i and like it really is that that look of recognition and just understanding like what's fully going on here and right after yeah right after the apartment you know kind of scene like it's it's such a good performance that she's given in that moment
0: yeah absolutely no it's a brilliant film and our next one is a completely different change of pace defending your life you said you watched this at the beginning of the pandemic was it kind of a heavy watch a little bit uh, for you or was it a little, like, uh, the levity, did it help? Because you're dealing with a story here with uh, Albert Brooks, writer-director, that is a man dies and he his life is judged upstairs, so to speak. <laughs> but he wanted to take a non-religious view. I mean, it's very, like, you know, middle management or upper management or, you know, like, interview for your job, essentially, mm-hmm. like, fight for your life, you know. Did you conquer your fears on earth did you make the most of your time then you they use the phrase go forward or you Mm -hmm. just want to keep going forward and i also like that the um the goal upstairs is uh more brain power and how on earth we're only Mm -hmm. using like three percent of our brains (laughs) and uh rip torn you know is like i'm 47 percent or something like (laughs) that and then her lawyer is like 54% yeah. and, and how you just want to keep getting that brain power. I mean, there's so many <laughs> great jokes in this thing. And uh, Meryl Streep is a delight. You brought up that dinner. It was around the time she made postcards from the mm-hmm. edge. And so, yes, he had a uh, dinner with Carrie Fisher and, was very nervous. And I think Meryl said something like, is there a part in this for me? Mm-hmm. And uh, he's like, yeah, right. You know, <laughs> of course, you know, but like I couldn't get her in a million years. And then he rewrote it for her and she's just so winning. And she, it's mm-hmm. like a Carol Lombard performance. Mm-hmm. So I would love to know what this was like during the pandemic.
1: Yeah, gosh, uh, it, was, it was an interesting one. I came about it not really... I don't even know if I knew what it was about. Okay. I watched, I think, I'm trying to remember if I watched which one first. I, I think I watched Modern Romance first, the Albert Book's second movie. Oh, and yeah, great film. Yeah, it, it's like one of my five favorite movies of all time. Like, I was completely, you know, floored by it and kind of as examinations of, like, what, like, the just relationships in general and how like we are constantly like telling ourselves we're gonna be better and then like repeating the same cycles and like how true to the messiness of relationships uh that is. And mm-hmm. so I I was really won over by that movie, obviously. um, and then so I watched Lost in America as well, which is also like a masterpiece. um, mm-hmm. and I just found myself finding uh like real comfort in. Albert Brooks movies, I had never seen anything that he had directed before. And I just found it like, especially at that time, like beginning of the pandemic. So, like, I was completely separated from everybody, even my partner, like, we weren't together at all. And there was just something really soothing about like the rhythms of these worlds that he builds and like the rhythms of his comedy. And I think feeling like, His characters, he's typically playing some sort of, like, variation on himself. Mm -hmm. And he, like, he has these really particular, like, idiosyncrasies um, that I think make me relate to him in a way. Um, Maybe not with, like, the necessarily, like, the ego that that his characters tend to have. But certainly the the neuroses and anxieties that some of them have. The, like, need to always be doing the right thing. um, And, like, the paranoia that you're not doing the right thing.
0: I felt that way with Mother. Have you seen that one? Yeah, mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great one. Yeah,
1: him and Debbie Reynolds. That's a really, really good one, too. And like a really underrated one. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't even know that existed until I had like watched his first like four. And then like I was like, oh, he's directed like more than that. Um, (laughs) And yeah, so Defending Your Life, I didn't really know what it was about. And then it became a very interesting time to watch it uh, at the beginning of the pandemic. And I found it. Uh, really comforting um I watching it at that time and I think I was reading this Rolling Stone sort of this like op-ed that Albert Brooks wrote around like the 25th anniversary of defending your life and in it he talked about how like a lot of people come to him and tell him like people who like know somebody who's close to dying or people who are close to dying themselves like come to him and say that like this movie's a real comfort for them because it's not as you said like, a very religious view of the afterlife Mm -hmm. there is something oddly comforting about imagining the afterlife as this weird like floridian like resort community and like just seeing the the like bureaucracy the like bureaucracy of like what our what our day-to-day life is like now and like um it is is like similar yeah 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 exactly with like a a slight little tilt to it like these little things like you were saying about like the the brain power stuff the thing of like like rip torrent's character at one point we see him like eating what looks like like mush i think it was Mm -hmm. like actually like meatloaf like in real life but like he says that it's like tastes like horse shit. Um, But, like, because his brain power is so high, it's, like, refined dining to him, and Albert Brooks eats it and, like, spits it out and whatever. And I just love the world-building of this movie, and I'm so fascinated by the way that, like, one, anybody could even come up with this and, like, all of the details of it. Um, But... Like it, it, I was very interested in seeing more of the world develop. So, yeah, I think I found for me watching it at that time was really comforting. And every time I go back to i watched it like three or four times now and I always find it comforting as well. But I would imagine you saw it probably before the pandemic for the first time, right?
0: Oh, yeah, I actually saw it when it was new. Uh, nice. When It was a new release um, on video. So mm. probably was like night. It came out in 91. So probably like 92 or it used to mm-hmm. take a whole year back then for them to uh come out on video so like 92 ish and i remember loving it right away um i think i had seen lost in america or this might have been my first albert brooks i'm not quite sure but i knew it was comedy because i you know seen him on like late night stuff and um and yeah i i adore this movie i think it's so good too because it is it's nice to imagine, you know, and i I can see how it can be a comfort because you don't want to feel like you're too disconnected from people. I mean, we can get all philosophical, but it's nice to think like, you know, that they're not lost in a mm-hmm. different realm. I love the thing at the beginning, like you have nothing to worry about. And <laughs> you're from the western half of the United States. So this should look very familiar to mm-hmm. you. And, um, you know, and I also get a kick out of some of the um, the differences between his experience and Meryl Streep, who's Mm -hmm. playing a very oh, my gosh, there's so many great jokes uh, with her because she had been like basically a saint. uh, So, you know, like the prosecution who's supposed to be fighting against her moving forward is just in love with their reviewing days in Mm -hmm. her life. And just wants to watch it for the pleasure of the experience, <laughs> which is so so funny. Like they're watching a movie, whereas you know Albert Brooks is uh, he had nine days, I believe she had four. Yeah, we're bringing up all of these like traumas and things. <laughs> and I also like the the idea and the questions of what is it that we're doing here and our value and mm. what are we like? You know, I can't believe this is all about making money. Like in in a hilarious scene. Uh, you see him with a like a college friend and he's not going to invest in Casio. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because he's like Switzerland does timepieces. And know, he not, invests
1: yeah. all his money on cattle. That <laughs> and, yes,
0: and he never gets an answer, but they died <laughs> or something. And it was just really, really funny. Yeah, it's Albert Brooks. His characters always kind of have like bad luck or yeah. uh, there's a little hubris and so um yeah i get a kick out of that i think i had not seen this though since probably maybe the 90s for whatever mm-hmm. reason i always loved it but i had just i think i watched it so much back mm-hmm. then that I, I like had a good memory for it but but it was great to you know watch it and remember oh my god that was ripped torn I mm-hmm. love some of the jokes of them, like going into the Italian restaurants and how she loves eating so much because you're not going to gain any weight mm-hmm. in this week. And then um, you have the the guy who wants to give him nine pies. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you he's know, like, that, what am I going to do with nine pies? And he's like, you know, yes. you're, you're kind of a highly one. I'm going to get you some steaks. I'm going to get you some steaks, too.
0: <laughs> I know. And how everybody, you know, he has this. That's another thing I guess I've always enjoyed about Albert Brooks's comedy is this uh, fear of, like, public embarrassment or how mm-hmm. other people are perceiving me, like, a lot of that is... It can be, you know, construed kind of narcissistically in some of his uh, characters, uh mm-hmm. alter egos, but there's also sort of that healthy of, like, oh, I don't want people to judge me a certain way, and so this movie is all about being judged and then him judging uh, the idea of being judged. So there's a lot to this film, yeah.
1: Yeah, I think, yeah, that's... <laughs> yeah it's like i think for all of us hopefully you know maybe uh like the idea of going into the afterlife and having it be this court trial where you realize that they are looking over every oh single God. moment of your life and picking specific ones and like scrutinizing them like that is absolutely terrifying for albert brooks character especially the guy who like you said like is so concerned at all times with what yep. people think of him he we meet him at the beginning of the movie before he dies. He's buying a new car. And the idea of like status for him is Um, everything. Like his friend that who's driving him to the dealership has a Jeep and he's asking him, why does he have a Jeep? Like what, what's going on with that? And then like, he's, Paranoid about like the CD player that's in his car, or like he immediately he's at the lot, he sees like this great car, he's super happy to have it. And the dealer's like, Oh, that's not your car, this is your car. And it pans to a still perfectly great looking car, car. just smaller, but just smaller with you know a, a convertible hood or whatever and it's like that kind of stuff that just really you're like cuts happy him down
0: with what you're, you're exactly one, exactly you know, keeping up with the joneses that's yeah, of,
1: yeah 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 exactly or
0: this yuppie mentality of that era and the the Wasp-ness of like you don't want to fight in public and you don't want to yeah yeah yeah
1: yeah yeah it plays so well like coming off of lost in america which is like all about that and like yeah. trying to remove yourself from that but then like removing yourself from that just you like realize that you're not even happy because you're so conditioned to care yes. about those things and that's where meryl comes in so beautifully in defending her life is that she is completely removed from that she is so carefree she has lived like such an idyllic life in a way but like it's it's interesting because i think that I like i saw some reviews where like They consider her character maybe like a little bit too one dimensional. And I think even the first time that I saw the movie, I felt like she was a little like manic pixie dream girl ish, like not without like the manic or the pixie, but like she kind of comes in to like make this guy's life better. But watching it again, it's like she didn't live like a super comfortable, like okay, life. The one clip that we see of her life, her house is literally burning down. Yeah. Yeah. So like that's the kind of thing where. Somebody could take that and it could completely destroy you and you could be miserable. But somehow she just has this air about her that is so light and so just like enjoys life. And Mm -hmm. I think that is really infectious. And part of why I think this movie is a comfort even when dealing with like the afterlife and even when dealing with when watching it like when COVID, you know, was very new and very present in my mind as somebody who is immunocompromised and like and, uh, very aware of death, you know, yeah. um, it's still being a comfort was like this idea of, well, what if the afterlife I can still, I could meet uh, like a new person, not even like romantically or anything necessarily, but just like meet a new person and like discover like a friendship and like a person who's nice to be around. And it's like, that doesn't have to be like the end of anything necessarily and Mm -hmm. i think that's really sweet and just having it kind of framed around the two of them just being together and it's like it's such a reprieve for him because he's doing this trial and it's fucking miserable like he is constantly aware of the fact that like things are not going well for him like like you said the he hears that he's having nine days you know being analyzed and he asks rip torn like is that good he's always concerned of like if things are good he's always concerned if things are normal like he's like is that the normal like amount is this all normal like am i normal and rip torn's like i prefer seven nine's not bad or whatever like everything rip torn says is like don't like don't think about don't think about it as like good or bad or anything Mm -hmm. like that but like everything you hear is, like, you hear Meryl Streep has four, and it's like, oh, shit, well, then I'm fucked, <laughs> like, if she has four. And so, at the, but at the end of, like, these miserable court days, he gets back together with Meryl Streep, and, like, the like the falling in love thing when they get together, like, everything is kind of washed away, and it's just really pleasant, and you're, like, developing this bond with this person, and it's just really nice to be, they go mini-golfing at one point. I love
0: that, And yeah. it's so
1: charming, like, it's so sweet, and just really yeah, I mean, like what what would be better better way to spend the afterlife than mini golfing on narrow street, right?
0: yeah you know that's kind of a recurring thing not mini golfing but like meeting somebody at the wrong time Mm -hmm. or forming a connection when you least expect it or maybe like you've kind of given up on that happening because uh, some other obstacle in your life or you think that's behind you and then it isn't that's kind of the recurring theme for all three of these films essentially which is good and I love that you brought up um, COVID and forming a new connection that kind of thing because weirdly the movie i had seen it before but i wound up watching it like two or three times within the first year of the pandemic was seeking a friend at the end of the world Mm -hmm. um you know with steve Carell and kieran knightley and you know at first like when i first started watching it the i don't know the opening 15 20 minutes i'm like do i really want to do this to myself because (laughs) Mm -hmm. it is super dark for the for the opening and then as it continues and you watch these two like odd people form first a friendship and then something more, it's sort of, you know, life affirming and refreshing. Yeah. And even though it ends like we weren't sure what was going to happen, how long we were going to be in lockdown, there was something about this. So I think it, there was a question. I wasn't one of those people, maybe because like you, uh, I'm immunocompromised. Mm-hmm. It didn't really seem like I was going to be one of those people who is watching um contagion like yeah that <laughs> that really you know that is the one Soderbergh movie I still haven't seen because it's like oh well, you know, yeah, sure. I just you know with medical stuff it's like do I really want to do that like yeah. that's our lives or whatever like no yeah and so I didn't need to see that fictionalized uh similar universe but I like these types of films that sort of can play off of this might be happening. It might be the worst time of your life, but also the best time of your life. And they're happening yeah. simultaneously because that's life sometimes. Yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. There's always like good and bad. And, you know, you yeah. can meet Meryl Streep and hang out. And like, I just yeah. I love the. This sort of casual well, everydayness. Golfing. Go yeah. midi-golfing. They go to this, um like, a comedy club with, like, the yes. worst comic in the entire world. And, like, that's where the two of them meet because they're, like, the only two who, like, they bond over how, how terrible this yes. dude is bombing. And I think that, like, it's, there's a real everyday, like, quality to uh the world in Defending Your Life that I really like. Like, even the court trial, like, feels like, like everybody's just kind of like going through the motions like it's rip torn and lee grant going at each other which is kind of crazy and like i i love like this movie as like i would never think of this movie as like a court movie but it like it is yeah. um and like even the the judges kind of like banter around a little bit it's really just like easy going and it doesn't feel like life and death kind of stakes but like you said the that connective tissue of like meeting people at the wrong time defending your life and bridges in madison county like especially
0: mm-hmm. have
1: like this with them meeting each other this like time limit on like how yep. much time they have together especially with brooks recognizing that like he's probably not going to move forward like street yes. is he's more than likely not and so like he has this kind of push and pull of like how much do I really want to like get to know this person and invest in this person? Because I know that like there's a clock on the time, but mm-hmm. they just really like, it's them like getting each other through this thing. And she just really enjoys being around him. And this is the thing I know there's a specific scene in bridges in Madison County that we'll get to that, you know, it's part of this, but when Meryl Streep laughs in defending your life, like oh she, God. she laughs with like her whole body. It just, like it. it is so delightful to Mm -hmm. hear her laugh and like that is such a thing that like when i was growing up and like getting really into film and watching sophie's choice cry in the dark french lieutenant's Mm -hmm. woman like i cannot imagine she laughed ever like you know maybe she did once or twice but like i would never think of meryl streep laughing when i think of those movies and then you watch something like this and it's like there's such a lightness to her that i didn't associate with her for the longest time and i'm glad that i do now and i mean she's so good in comedy like the the movie hope springs with her and tommy lee jones oh yeah is like i really like that movie because they're just like really good together and like it makes me laugh a lot and um death becomes her i think is one of her best performances like she's so funny in that movie uh and yeah so i just love seeing her like in this world like it makes sense that she would have that dinner with Carrie Fisher and Albert Brooks and like want like be like hey put me in one of your movies like I want to be in a movie like that like I don't really get the chance to be in a ton of them and you can really feel her just having a nice time here
0: absolutely and I like that you were pointing out the laugh because I think I brought that up on Twitter with our next Mm -hmm. film but there's a difference between like an actor laugh and a real Mm -hmm. laugh like Mm -hmm. I talked about that with uh my friend Donald Logue he says you know when you get like a genuine laugh from your scene partner versus the ha 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 you know the the, the practice (laughs) laugh and boy when Meryl laughs like that is a real genuine laugh especially in uh, Bridges of Madison County, like the legs go up in the air. (laughs) She's holding the leg up in the air. Having the best time. She also has kind of a twisted sense of humor in that movie, which I like, and she's very flirtatious and you can kind of see her get in touch with these sides of herself that she's probably suppressed all these years before. Mm -hmm. So I need to ask you about Bridges. Uh, Did you have any um history with the book like had your mom read it or you no know, what was there no, your... you,
1: yeah I don't know if my mom had or not I don't think so I certainly had like I basically knew that it was a very acclaimed book um but I had never read it before and so I, I was going into it completely cold I I like to not know a lot about a movie before I go into yes. it. um, And like like even these days, like I don't watch trailers for, like, for new movies. Nice, thank you. articles, like anything.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: I don't read art. Like I, yep. if I see something's like getting acclaimed, I'm like, okay, I'll probably, you know, I'll watch Check that. Uh, like mm-hmm. I don't need to know anything more about it. Or if it's something that like I know like actors I like or it's a director I like or whatever, yeah. like that's all I need to know. I don't look into it anymore. And so like something like Bridges, like I've always known that people really like it. So it was always kind of like on my list of something to watch. And I remember um, Sam and I were like trying to find, you know, thinking of like what we wanted to watch one night and we were struggling to find something. I think it was like a, like there were several days in a row where we were like watching stuff and it was just kind of like flopping. And we were like, well, we really need something that's like really good. And like, I knew that people really liked this and Sam uh, also loves falling in love. And so I was like, well, this is Meryl in, like, a romance, like, you know, want to check this out? And they were like, yeah, like, you know, give it a shot. And I, yeah, I mean, it just, it really blew me away. Like, I, so I didn't, yeah, we didn't know, like, anything about what it was about at all. Um, Even, like, the four days thing. Like, I think okay. I knew that it was, like, a romance, you know, a romance that it was, like, her and Clint together. But that was pretty much it. Um, okay, cool. Yeah, but what, I mean, what's, what's your, did you see this one when it came out, too?
0: Oh, yeah. Well, actually, I mean. I should say um Mitchell was kind and and used the phrase acclaimed. It's kind of the McDonald's of literature. Ah, gotcha, gotcha. Literature. So (laughs) this was like Nicholas Sparks before Nicholas Mm, Sparks.
1: Okay. okay. Essentially.
0: And so it was a best-selling book. I read the I think my grandma had read the book and then left it Mm -hmm. at her house. And I think my mom read it and then I read it. And I even you know like even as a tween or whatever i thought the book was a little cheesy Sure, <laughs> but because the the film had meryl streep and yeah. i was just very excited and so i remember going with my mom and grandma to see this um like right away packed theater so many women uh mm-hmm. in this theater just crying this is a film that like i remember like Hearing the audible, like, please to the movie screen, mm, um, mm-hmm. in the scene at the end, like, is she get out of the him? car, get out of the <laughs> truck? And, um, I think my grandma was one of them because she was an <laughs> Italian woman who definitely had opinions about love, and so, um, yeah, I'm pretty sure she was like, What is she doing, you know? And so, this was a film that you know really crushed me. I remember crying in the theater along with everybody and then what was so funny is a few years later in a film class I took um we were doing like acting units and we saw like uh, I think it was a student had chosen the truck scene like as Mm. a non-verbal performance look what Meryl is doing here and um You know, and everyone in the the classroom is like so caught up, even though they hadn't seen the rest of the film. Like You know, the students were really selling like, here's what had happened. And she needs to, you know, this is her, her kids are 16 and 17. It's not like, you know, sold the whole thing.
1: She can, then, she, like, she can leave she can it. do it it's
0: 1965 yes but anyway yeah. and so my professor was uh this guy who'd gone to afi and he kind of fashioned himself sort of like a cowboyish kind of dude and mm. so he was like like this guy doesn't have a chick in every town <laughs> and so like you know and he laughed and stuff but then you were like don't kill the movie man <laughs> but yeah so i have those memories of uh, bridges
1: Yes. It's, I mean, it's good, too, because like the thing is that like she so they have the, the conceit is that they have like four days that yeah. like her her husband and her two kids have gone off to this like fair or something. I always do fair, I think. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And so she meets Clint Eastwood's character, who is a photographer who's there in Madison County to photograph the bridges. And they just develop, you know, this connection, but they know that they have four days before her family comes back. And so, like, Mm -hmm. there is, like, defending your life, like, a time limit on this time that they have together. And the thing that, like, in conversing with each other, they, they talk about she asks him about like what his life is like because he goes from country to country. Like he's the kind of guy who doesn't really have like a home. He, he kind of drifts around because of his job. He doesn't like having like being tied down to relationships or anything. And Mm -hmm. he's very upfront and honest, which is I think something that's really touching about this movie about falling in love as well. That like, none of these people are like hiding things from me. Nobody's trying to deceive each other. And Mm -hmm. then like there there's something refreshing for her about that too she's really like fascinated by the spontaneity of his life um Mm -hmm. he talks about like he went to she's uh, from italy and like immigrated over here yeah Mm -hmm. and so she talks about like her her hometown which he had actually like a small town and he had actually Sorry. been there before yeah. and he like was just driving by and thought it was beautiful and like hopped off the train and she was just like like couldn't believe that like mm-hmm. you would hop off a train and just you know stay in a place f- for a while but the the last day that they have together when they wake up in the morning she's really upset and like she or no it's actually it's before that where they have the conversation that I'm thinking of where she basically, like, asks him, like, what, what makes her, like, different? Like, she, yes. he clearly, the thing that, that your professor said, like, he clearly just has, you know, done this with women. So, like, what's kind of the procedure now? Like, what, like, she's just another woman. She doesn't, like, she's just...
0: next housewife in a kitchen, I think, is the yeah. phrase that she Yeah, uses. exactly. Yeah. One
1: day, he's going to meet another woman, and she, Meryl, is just going to be another person in this like bucket of all the women that he's been with or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so it's like that idea of he's done this before, or like he's had, you know, he's been with other women he does this all the time or whatever. She has that feeling too. And she confronts him about it. And I think obviously, you know, your professor doesn't quite get it because he, he said her all that, like he was writing her letters he yeah yeah her letters you know his whole life he wanted to be he wanted to have his ashes spread at yeah. these bridges with her like I know. that's that's one of the things that like i think this movie uses a framing device with her kids after she's passed yeah like, i'm getting a little her...
0: mixed on the framing device i think the kids act like the daughter actually like, it, it, it is a little questionable the son uh some of his you know issues although sometimes uh sons have issues or they they don't think of their their moms as sexual beings let's just
1: yeah he in one of the scenes he says that like he feels like learning this feels like he learned that his mom cheated on him
0: has and it's it's like bro like think about what you're saying (laughs) yeah you're not like a 14 year old pouty kid you're like a married dude in your 40s or whatever (laughs) yeah Yeah. so i don't know the framing device i'm a little mixed on that but the rest of the film i love i i don't know i think that's my one like quibble with it i think i gave it like four and a half out of five Mm. on letterbox and it's just because like you know it's that scooby-doo thing those damn kids yes meddling kids they kind of get to me (laughs) but i i love this film i was reading i can't remember who the critic was it might have been kenneth turan um was saying something like um seeing eastwood and streep like two different schools of acting you have the technician Mm. the craftsman you have merrill And then so it's almost like they were saying compared to Eastwood, sort of the leading man jock or something. So it's like Mm -hmm. the football player is dating the smartest girl in school kind of Mm -hmm. thing is what the movie and they're not getting that Meryl was a cheerleader and but she had all (laughs) all all these different sides of herself. But uh you know this is really good chemistry and i remember thinking you know is clint like a little old here should he have been playing this part Mm. i think a lot of us going in were like well he directed this is this really Mm -hmm. you know but they have great chemistry he said he only made one phone call and this is who he wanted right away uh which is interesting because he could have definitely taken his pick this was kind of a good turning point for i am going to make you know films uh he wasn't making the rookie or Tightrope or any of <laughs> yeah. those kind of movies anymore um we weren't seeing clint with a monkey or that kind of thing like <laughs> yeah. um, white hunter black heart i saw um this week for the first time which was phenomenal and that was i think in 1990 and then there was this you know you had unforgiven which i don't love as much as other people do i think it's a great film Perfect World, though Perfect I world. think, is a masterpiece. So great, yeah. It's right in this um, block of films as well. And you, you have this one. I mean, so the early '90s was Clint's kind of like turning point of whoa, he can be, yeah, yeah. A yeah I
1: think Here. that in general, like, I'm not the hugest fan of him as a director, um, and I think it's. But then, like, you get this this kind of pocket. Like, I, I also yeah. love. I do. I do really like Unforgiven, and I, I love A Perfect World, mm-hmm. and this yeah like it's it's such not the kind of movie you would expect from him but he's really perfect for it as as an actor and as a director like i think that there is such a restraint here and like you talking about the the book as sort of this like like airport novel the mcdonald's kind of thing like this there's such an easy way to play this like a nicholas sparks movie like it it very well could have been that um Mm -hmm. and it's played so delicately that it's not ever like tipping over into that sort of like saccharine quality and i think that even as a director like he clearly like worships streep in this and like there's such like a love that you can feel from the camera towards her i was watching there's a on the blu-ray there's like a behind the scenes sort of like documentary and she was talking about the one kind of like big confrontation scene where she's you know having that that fight with him she's shouting at him and he she said that like on the filming day it was a lot more like volatile like he was shouting back at her like there was a lot on him and she was surprised when she saw the movie that he basically cut out like the vast majority of his own stuff in it mm-hmm. like really focused on her and then when it came back to him it was all of the sort of like quiet Moment of him like taking it in, like him holding back tears, him walking mm-hmm. over to the other side of the room. And I think that that's like a moment where you see how skilled he can be as a director and how much he can know, like, even in the edit, like what is right for the scene and what's going to be the most powerful thing for the scene. Because I think that restraint is such a huge part of why this movie lands the impact that it does, because it's not like yeah. tipping too far over and that's why the the scene you know the rain him standing out in the rain just looking at her like he's just looking at her and that's all you need like it's it's overwhelming to watch it
0: yeah absolutely and i read that it was shot in chronological or mm-hmm. which I think would help because they hadn't worked together before. And so it was like these actors getting to know each other and how they work and then building their own friendship and then how that uh, continued on. Yeah. And I think also, um, you know, acting is reacting and it's listening. And this is a great movie for that because it really shows, um, you know, Clint can You can imagine him on a film set just like regaling the crew and everyone just being under his sway and you know people falling in love and so what would that be like to have that much attention lavished on you like this man of the world and so i love the scenes where um she hasn't had anybody to relate to on this level i i had forgotten that francesca the character she plays was a school teacher Mm -hmm. and so um he's also well read which i i didn't remember that because she leaves a note on the bridge inviting him to dinner and she like quotes a couple lines or a line from a Yeats poem mm-hmm. and he's able to place that and so i think that is so nice um and it's also just really refreshing watching it today to think of and it was a little eerie, too, because now I am 42 watching this. So I'm only a scotch younger than these people, <laughs> you know, back then they seemed so much older. But we don't get movies about middle aged people yeah. uh, mm-hmm. falling in love for sure. Um, And so just thinking about um, what I was watching from a different perspective.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's it's. It's such a shame. That's the thing. Going through, like, all three of these, especially, like, Falling in Love and Bridges, like, seeing these kind of movies just aren't, aren't movies get, no. that get made these anymore, and, like, I know that it's such a cliche to talk about, you know, that, like, they don't make them like they used to kind of thing, but, like, it is such a shame. I mean, we're recording this, like, the day after we just learned about, like, the majority of TCM staff is, like, getting laid off, and it's, like, yeah. the film world that, like, we fell in love with is, like, dismantling in front of mm-hmm. us, and, but at least I mean we can watch something like this and just be be really transfixed by it. I think that and like a thing that you don't see a lot of why, which is why like a movie like this works is they just take the time to like have these characters building this relationship. And I think one thing thinking about like the three of them, the three of these movies together is like this intoxicating quality of watching two like a really well written well directed well acted scene of two characters just like getting to know each other is like yes like that's one of the best things in the world yeah. like the scenes of them just sitting at like her her dinner table mm-hmm. talking about like who they are and like there's there's the scene where like like we definitely get the sense like she's this housewife she feels really you know restricted from like what she thought her life was going to be and like you said like he's this man of the world he's living Mm -hmm. such like an extravagant life he's gone all around the world yeah and so she just like feels really insecure about herself and she says like a thing about like why would he be you know she says that like it's probably dull for him to be sitting there telling her all about himself you know just some housewife in the middle of nowhere and The way that he responds by saying, like, this is your home, home. this isn't nowhere, like that, it's that kind of moment of like, this dude, just being like, like, I see you, like, I see who you are, I see that Mm -hmm. you are a full human being, like, maybe your husband, yeah, recognition, exactly, exactly. And I think that that, I mean, that's such an incredible moment. And it's such an incredible, like, that's such a great thing to write. And the way that they Mm -hmm. play it so beautifully, like, you get why why this relationship is happening i think the thing with the framing device that's so interesting that i think is really impressive not necessarily with the framing device itself but just with the movie overall is that in the opening scenes of this movie we learn that like she had this relationship with this guy they knew each other for 4 days They Mm -hmm. didn't get back together. She just lived her normal life, kept this a secret from her family. But these four days were so monumental to her that when she died, she wanted her ashes to be spread like with him. Mm -hmm. And we as an audience have to in that moment have that same reaction of their kids. Like how could four days if you don't like leave your family to spend like, like how could just four days like have that much of an impact that after it all, like after keeping this a secret from even your kids your entire life. Your dying wish is to have them learn all this about you so that you can kind of be your afterlife, you know, whatever, shared with this guy. And that's a really tall ask of an audience, I think, to, like, yeah. get us to believe yeah. in that. But they fully get you to believe in that, like, so quickly. And to the extent, too, like, the thing with the framing device is it tells you they're not going to end up together. No. But then you get that scene in the rain and her in the truck and you holding like onto, for a minute yes. yeah you're like get out like you could like even watching it a second time I'm like I was sitting up on my couch like, like the open, the door, open the door open
0: the door it's really impressive it is and I like what you were saying about um just this brief time because that is like the interview Sophia Coppola has given again and again, when people are like, well, lost in translation, they're only together a couple days. Mm -hmm. And she said, well, sometimes that's when you're in a a different country, but also you can meet someone and one day can feel like a lifetime. You can have this like bond with someone that intensely, where you feel like, wow, we're old friends or there's a recognition. And then some people you have a long time with and you don't connect with. And so it just depends on how that goes. Another thing I love about this and falling in love is like what you were saying about that scene where, um you know, this isn't nowhere, this is your home. And then uh in this, in Bridges, she says something like, I feel like I spoiled something about this mm. evening. And mm-hmm. he said, no. And what's great about it is they don't have to have a perfect flawless evening. They can um screw up the way you mm-hmm. do when you're getting to know somebody and you may be go over a boundary and have to you know rein in or did i put myself out there too fast or not enough and um you know like are we going to stop seeing each other and then they can't and i like that there's like fumbles Mm -hmm. in the dialogue and in their connection it isn't just they meet and everything is perfect you know it's not like that and these are uh these middle-aged romances are more mature about that fact that you know there is sometimes you meet people at the wrong time and sometimes um you don't get everything right but it's right for you because then you're finding out who you are and who they are yeah and yeah hey, you can be together
1: yeah yeah that's oh god that's so beautiful yeah i i agree like 100 percent. it's like it's that thing where this isn't idealized like it is mm-hmm. you know it's the thing like it could play like the mcdonald's thing of like it's yeah. it's this like wish fulfillment like this housewife like wish fulfillment thing of this yes. you know like worldly man coming in and sweeping you off your feet but it's not that like this is a real no. dude like this is a real woman like he he sees something really special in her and she she sees like his fault like he's not he's not perfect no. there are things that are you know mess up about him and like but it is it is them having these little like tiffs i love i love those moments i love the the thing of her you know thinking that she ruined it or he he asks like would you ever leave your husband on like the first night and she she gets you know very upset about it and it's like yeah "Yeah, dude that's not a cool thing to ask no yeah he he goes
0: too far with some of his questions right away and like he says something like, oh, that's indiscreet of me or, you know, yeah. And, like he immediately he
1: recognizes that it yeah. wasn't cool and like apologizes. But like it's yeah, it's just that that little like you yeah. make those mistakes. And that's the thing, too. Like, I like what you said about the the Sofia Coppola thing. And like sometimes it is just like that. Like I I met my partner within like two weeks. I was telling them that like I love them. And like it felt in the moment, like before I said it, I'm like this could scare this person away because this is <laughs> very soon to say it. Yeah. And like, even when I said it, like they were like, that, that like, you don't, you can't, like, you can't feel that. Like we've, yeah. you know, just met, but I'm like, I, I mean, I feel it. Like I genuinely, I mean, it's like six years later and we're still together. And it's Aww. like, sometimes you just feel that, like mm-hmm. that strongly, even if it seems in the movies, like sometimes it happens too fast for like plot convenience or whatever. Sometimes like a person just, awakens something in you and that's how how strong it is and the other like one other thing too that i love in this movie is like how these experiences can alter the way that you relate with the world there's Mm -hmm. like a little subplot that started throughout of um another woman like in town who has had an affair and like the entire town shuns her and like, Mm -hmm. nobody speaks to her. We see at one point Clint's in a, in a little diner and she comes in and everybody's rude as hell to her. And, Mm. and And then she leaves. Yeah. She leaves. And then when he leaves, he sees her crying in her car and he, I mean, credit to, to him. He then sees that and thinks like, oh, maybe I'm not considering enough about like what doing this with Meryl could like the ramifications that it could have for her once I leave. So he like asks her like, hey, are you sure you want to do this? And, you know, gives her like the idea. Yeah. Yeah. The idea of like repeatedly checking for consent is really Mm -hmm. cool. And like and then her after it all after he leaves she then has a better understanding of this woman and then that's the one woman that she develops a close friendship with because she feels like that's the one woman that she can tell about this thing that happened because she's the only one that understands yeah she waits like years before telling her yeah yeah Yeah. it's it's so good and that idea of like people who can change you know relationships with people that can change your understanding of the world and your relationship with the world around you as well is really powerful
0: it is. Yeah. Beautiful films. Are there yeah. any other Meryl Streep romances or just Meryl Streep performances or films like this that you want to recommend to anyone listening to check
1: out? Yeah, there's... Um, for I mean, for Streep, I, I will say, like, I mean, I, I'm, I came to Death Becomes Her, like, really late. I saw her for the first time, like, last year. But that's mm-hmm. such a great movie, and she's so fun in it. Um, but as far as, like, movies like this, I... Weirdly, soon after falling in love, I watched um, *Stanley and Iris*, which oh, is like I a, love that film, an early '90s Martin Ritt movie with De Niro and Jane Fonda, and yeah. it is like like these movies, like it's a little bit cornier, maybe to bit. like some yeah. degree. Um, like he's playing like an illiterate like line cook, and she kind of teaches him how how to read, which is mm-hmm. a little a little like hokey sometimes, but it it does really make me think of these kind of movies and like certainly seeing it so soon after falling in love I thought about falling in love a lot just like an adult romance with two of like our greatest living actors and like you really invest in their relationship and the romance between them so I mean if people like these kind of movies that we're talking about I and you haven't seen Stanley and Iris which I think a lot of people probably haven't I would definitely recommend that one what about for you though?
0: I think that's a really great recommendation for sure. Yeah. 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 Well, Mitchell, I want to thank you so much for doing this. It's the best way to kick off a weekend.
1: Absolutely. Thanks so yeah, much.
0: You'll have to come back with another topic.
1: For Absolutely. Sure. For sure.
0: I also want to thank everyone for listening, especially my patrons who support the show and help fund my research equipment, film rentals. This is Jen Johans at filmintuition.com and Filmintuition on social media and Letterboxd. And this is Watch with Jen.